Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. I'm Ellie the Mammoth, and my friend said the flaw knows what being a great parent is all about. I love kids. It starts with believing you can do it. I'm responsible, loving, nurturing. You've got to set a good example. Hey, no biting. Uh-uh. And give a whole lot of love. I love you so much. And you'll get a whole lot back, too. <laughs> the rest? Well, that's up to you. Remember, you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Visit AdoptUsKids.org for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter.com slash Joy Keys, and you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And now I am on Instagram. Lots of great pictures. If you tag me, you could win a prize. I don't know what the prize will be, but it will be a book or a CD or movie tickets or concert tickets. But people know I do give away. I do fulfill my word. I know a lot of times people say, I don't want to do that. They're not going to really send that. They really want to send that. I really send the stuff to you. So don't even worry about it. But I thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, the call in number is 646-929-0368. I also want to say thank you for listening in the past, past 940,000 downloads of the podcast, like, wow, just blows my mind, such a blessing. I'm glad that you're enjoying the shows. I hope to continue. And, again, just want to say thank you for your support. Well, today I have a prolific, I will say prolific, you, you know, what, you're supposed to have your dictionary this morning. I told you all <laughs> on Twitter, dictionary and a box of tissues, okay, prolific writer, young prolific writer at that. And this is what people are saying. Let me just read some of the things people are saying about him. Jackson's novel is beautifully written and sad and hopeful in a way that aches. What else are they saying? Jackson's poetic prose is a joy to read. You know, I had to say that one because I had joy in there. That's the only reason I said that one. Uh, Authenticity and rhythmic prose propels Jackson's debut novel. This novel is written with a breathtaking, exhilarating assurance and wit. Terrific, the Times. You need not say any more. Why are you not going to the store and pick up the book? Oh, you need to know the title. Okay. The title of the book is <laughs> The Residue Years by Mitchell S. Jackson. And he has a novel, which if you haven't seen the pictures on, on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or anywhere else I've been posting them, a novel is scratched out because part of the story is true. It's, it's about his life and what he went through. Um, Mitchell, thank you so much for calling in today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Wow. First of all, thank you for writing the book, because a lot of people, I think, will be able to relate to many sections in the book. So thank you again for writing the book. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I know I wasn't the only one going through that in the 80s and 90s. No, and as I mentioned to you earlier, I myself was going through similar issues. My my father was uh, succumbed to crack. And in our household, we didn't have a lot of alcohol. We didn't have a bar. 
Uh, nobody was smoking, smoking cigarettes, nothing. If there was alcohol, very rarely. So when all of a sudden he came one day, oh, yeah, I'm addicted to crap. What are you talking about? of it. Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> crazy. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Like, what? Even my friends were like, you're dead? No. Seriously? Yeah. Get out of here. You joking? No, I'm dead serious. <laughs> but... um. So let's start at the beginning here, Mitchell. How long did it take you to write this? Because this is close to 400 oh, pages, man. I'm almost embarrassed to say how many years it took. I mean, I wrote the first words down when I was actually incarcerated. So that was 97, 98. Um, and so I put it down for some years. But let's say that I spent 8 to 10 years working pretty steady on it. Wow. Now, do you think it took you so long because it was so personal? Um, I think it took me so long because I didn't know how to write, so I was trying to figure out uh, first how to write and then what kind of writer I wanted to be. And then along the way, the book was kind of like my apprenticeship. I was trying a whole bunch of different things. And so by the time I figured out, you know, how to write and what kind of writer I aspired to be, that was it probably took me like two years after that to actually get it into some shape. Mm-hmm. And now let me just tell the audience, you have – a couple of degrees. <laughs> yeah. Master's in writing from Portland State University and an MSA from New York University. You're not uh-huh. really a, 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 a slump. You're not a, a bum. <laughs> no. Nah, nah. Well, I mean, the reason why I went to get the, the master's degrees was was just really to learn how to write this book. Like I like to say I, I aspired to be a great writer. I wanted to teach, but it was just really like I don't want people to to dismiss this story when I finish with it. So, I need to know how to write. Like, a lot of people come to me and they're like, yo, I have this really interesting life story, and, I, you know, what do you do? I said, well, man, the first thing you got to do is learn how to write, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of people, everyone thinks that their life story is interesting, but not everyone can write. So I would say to go get the craft, and then you'll be able, to, hopefully, to tell the story the way you want to tell it. Well, I, I agree with you because I think my life is interesting, but, you know, I, I probably need, like, a ghostwriter or something. I mean, I'm okay and all, but... Uh, you know, who knows? But one of the things that you open your book with is that all stories are true. John yeah. Edgar Wyman. Mm-hmm. So why, why, is that your belief, or why did you choose that opening? Um, well, you know, I, I think um, my book is semi-autobiographical, but even the parts that weren't uh, directly mine from my life, I felt like they were so close to me and I observed them in other people's life that it was it was a tr- it was a truth whether or not it was my particular truth and so I think that's kind of what I was trying to say with using that as an epigraph. Now, let's talk about the name of the book, The Residue Years. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about that it's a story about um a mother and a son and their relationship and, and their family that are connected to the two of them. But basically it's the chapter flipping back and forth between the son and the mother, son and the mother. Um, mm-hmm. But we're talking about drugs. My my vision is that the residue from the drugs, but also the emotional residue, is that yeah. what you were going for? Well, you got uh, a good okay. vision. <laughs> yeah, I like your vision. I like your vision. Wait, I, 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 I wanted to back up and say now. congratulations, too, because... You got a mil- You're close to a million. Like a million of anything just sounds like unbelievable to me. So I think that I just wanted to mention that. Like you said, nine hundred and forty thousand downloads. I was like, damn, that's <laughs> you doing it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing, you know. It's a blessing. But you two are going to the stars, to the comet. Um, 
And but this residue, do you are you still carrying the residue? Yeah. So the 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 word um, or the title. So when I was young, probably like fourteen or fifteen, and I first uh, tried my hand at selling drugs. I used to they used to have drug houses in my area, and so you would have to go there. Mm-hmm. I guess you wouldn't have to, but you, I went there to try to sell it, and then I would see people, and they would smoke whatever they had, and then they wouldn't have any more money, and they would be, like, scraping the pipe looking for resonance. And I used to think, like, damn, how low can you be that, like, you're in mm. here already doing this, and then you don't have any more, and now you're still trying to get high. So mm-hmm. that word resin, residue, always resonated with me as something that's, that signified a, a really low point for a person. Um, and so every definitely, time I would definitely. hear the word, it would just remind me of those years and watching those people. Like, you know, to see an addict on their, like, last leg, that's some really terrible stuff. Um, and then years later, shoot, this was probably, like, 2008, I had, like, four titles for the book before uh, before I found the residue years. So I was reading a GQ magazine, actually, and I ran across an article about Mark Jacobs, the designer. And uh, mm-hmm. Mar- I didn't know this, but Mark Jacobs had a really severe drug problem, and he was saying something about his drug problem. He was like, yeah, yeah, that was the residue years of my life. And when I heard wow. residue years, I was like, oh, there's my title right there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it made yeah. me go back to that time, you know, when I was younger. So immediately I was like, that's it. Well, also what brought to me was um, I remember the smell of people who've done crack. Yeah, and it's like yeah. this sweet, nasty yep. cigarette smell thing. Yeah, and yep. I've been on the bus, I've been on the train, I've been walking down the street, and even years now, my father is is clean. You know, thankfully, you know, he's been clean for quite a long time. I'm sure he's still mm-hmm. struggling to stay that way, but I will, I will smell that. Like it will like wake me. It's like a slap on my face. Like, who? What? Oh, yeah. Geez. And they could be in a suit. They could be you. You would look at this person. Any regular person would look at this person and be like, "They're not a drug. Like they don't look like the drug addict. Yeah. Like, strung out. They're not strung out." Now, of course, I've seen okay. them strung out, but that smell, I cannot ever forget that smell. Me either. I mean, I don't you know, know. You didn't even have to ask them. Like they could be like, "No, I was at the store. Oh no, 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 bro. That's all." And it, it never comes out of your clothes, so you can't mm. even lie about it. If you like, it's like in your skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember mm-hmm. that smell. Yes, definitely. That's crazy. All right, let's yeah. talk about the characters here. You have some interesting names, and and mm-hmm. uh, you actually explore why people are named. You, you talk a lot about um, the basketball and, yeah. and how people get names through basketball. Talk to the audience about that. Okay, so first I'm disappointed because I never really got a nickname, so... <laughs> this is kind of my way of being able to name myself as well. But the the main two characters um, are the son, who uh, is his name is Champ, and then the mother's name is Grace. Um, and I chose Champ. Actually, I named Champ after a guy that I grew up with, who's now deceased. He got uh, killed in prison. But mm. um, his name, the word Champ, always just seemed to me to be such a strong. Figure. And he really had a strong personality. Not that I modeled my character after him, but I did always think, like, that was a great nickname for someone who was ambitious. And so that's really how I came to Champ. And then also I wanted metaphorically, that despite his whatever he was going through, that he was going to end up on the 
you know, brighter side of those circumstances. Side, yeah. Well, he was the champion. He was the hope. Yeah. He was the hope for, for grace. Uh, he was yeah. the hope for the community. He was the hope for his family. He was hope for himself. I mean, he was trying to convince himself, yeah, yeah, I'm the champ. But then he kept saying, yeah. okay, don't get too cocky. Don't get too cocky. Don't yeah. get too cocky because you get too cocky. That's when you're going to fall, you know. They're going to so, come get you. All right, let's you. talk about grace. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, what so you say? grace was actually... For I mean, so if I worked on the on the book for ten years, Grace's name was Rhonda for nine years and three months or something, and then finally I was just like, wait a minute, like Champ has this kind of metaphoric resonance to his name. Why Rhonda just didn't resonate like that? Yeah, with me. Rhonda. So I, yeah, Rhonda. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I went over a bunch of different names, and then I just I, I arrived at Grace because I did think that she ultimately needed Grace in order to get her life back on track. Definitely. I mean, I'm so glad you didn't choose Rhonda. No, Grace. Yeah. Yes. Yay, I Grace. Was, I was rocking with Rhonda for nine-plus years. I understand, but I'm happy you chose Grace. <laughs> yeah. Now, also, one of her sons, one of her sons' name is Canaan. Uh-huh. And that's also interesting. I'm not sure if I'm reading too much into that, but, you know, yeah, so, he almost got cursed, if you will, because of her yeah. and the history and so on. Um, yeah, I, um, again, I, you know, I, I wanted it to have a, you know, a little metaphoric meaning. I didn't want it to be, I mean, I guess that is kind of too heavy-handed with the Cain and Abel, but I wanted the main characters to have some resonance. And, and even the, the KJ is, you know, he doesn't want to be like his father. So in a sense, because he's a junior, he's also fighting, you know, the legacy of his of his father. So even his name, mm-hmm. though it's not biblically or, you know, overtly metaphoric, it's like K.J. doesn't want to be a junior. Mm, I see. Yeah, yeah. Now, you deal with some really heavy issues. Um, you're dealing with, uh, well, racism. You're dealing with prison industrial complex. You're dealing mm-hmm. with gentrification and, and, and home loan issues that communities of color deal with. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the issue of the drug laws. Uh, it was funny when you were, your character, I will say, because, again, like you said, everything in the book is not uh, exactly as it happened in real life. Right. Your character in the book was reading his speech to the class, um, and he was a senior in college, and he's uh-huh. trying to explain to them, the class is black and white, you know, uh-huh. what the drug laws are about, how they started, what's the deal? Yeah. And people were yeah. like, you talking crap, like, whatever, man. And you know what? I remember <laughs> yeah. being in class. I remember being in my cla- one of my class of racism. The class was titled Racism. Uh-huh. And these white people in the class talking about, I don't see color. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, well, how do you know that it was racism? Yeah. Um, okay, I gave him a story. This is what I threw on him. Okay, let me tell you, Mitchell. My my 80-some-year-old grandmother got arrested watching a movie. Wow. I said, that's, that's not crazy. racism? Yeah, that's not exactly. Racism. <laughs> my 80, who's, 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 who has a master's in math who wow. brought me up, brought my brother up, brought my daughter up, calm, never even curse, don't even yell. What was she doing getting arrested, sitting in the movie theater? But what happened was... The white lady next to her said, after 15 minutes, mind you, oh, that seat right there, it belongs to my son who's coming to the theater. Oh, wow, that's crazy. 
So you know where it went from there. And then the Irish cop came in, took her out. Uh, then had yeah, the they really hyped the Irish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they took the hecklers behind, the black hecklers behind the candy. Oh, oh, ma'am, uh, don't, 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 just give the ticket back. Just go out quietly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm making, you know, the accent yeah. up. Yeah. But that's what they said to her. It was like yeah. out of the movie. She was like, so, nah. Anyway, I I appreciate that part. Um, do you feel that you still get that now because you teach now? Do you feel those problems um, in your class? How do you handle that I mean, I think, as a teacher? Well, a lot of my students, because I teach mainly underclassmen. Um, no, all mm-hmm. underclassmen, but a lot of freshmen. Um, and so uh, most of them believe they're living in a post-racial America. And I'm like, listen, like, I'm glad you guys are ambitious and I'm glad you guys are hopeful and, and all of those things, but, like, let's keep it real. This is not post-racial America. Like, <laughs> things don't work like that. Even I was give, I, I try to give them examples. I was like, well, one time I had a faculty meeting, and uh, it was just all faculty, and we had we had to do group projects. And then each of the members, each of the groups had to report back to the larger group about some, something that we'd done. I forgot what we did. And so mm. I was picked as the spokesperson for my group. Now, this is a group of English professors. So we all report back, then I, you know, give my little spiel. And then at the when we're done, one of the professors, older uh, lady, comes over, and she's like, oh, my God, you're so articulate. Like, wow. And I'm, like, thinking to myself, like, wait a minute. You're my colleague. What did you expect? We're at a university, <laughs> and I'm an English professor. Like, what did you expect of me? Like, that... I guess you thought you were giving me a compliment, but that was like the most grand slap in the face you could have gave me. Mm, 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 mm. Let's talk about this issue of, um, well, I will also admit I had um, the, the issue of the prison and the drug laws. Let's get back to that. I, oh, I had, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Michelle Alexander on. What was interesting yeah, about Champ and me even uh, is that I had done research on the drug law. So it's one thing to be walking around ignorant of how much time is in your pocket or under your seat. Uh, it's another mm-hmm. thing to know, like, when you cook up whatever you cook up and package it up and you put it in your car, like, you're riding around with 20 years. Um, and so I think that gives you, a, a, it makes you, uh, well, gives you, first of all, a certain kind of awareness, but, and like, but it also uh, makes you a little more foolish because, you know, like, who would be mm. risking that much time? And so I think that was kind of the irony of Champ is that he seemed to be such a like an aware, intelligent, introspective guy, but he was still taking the risks of someone who was completely ignorant. Mm. Um, mm. And as far as the, the the you know the sentencing, yeah, of course that just you know if you look at before they redid, I think it's now eighteen to one. Before it was a hundred to one, but if you look mm. at the amount of what they were sentenced like if it was hard cocaine if you looked at like i don't know five grams of hard cocaine that's like a thumbnail you know like they were sending you to jail for like 10 years on a thumbnail of drugs like that just it didn't seem reasonable and the people that were selling the thumbnails obviously were not getting rich doing that so it it just really caused the question like what did they really want to do and you know obviously lynn bias uh, was the trigger for that, but um, it, you know it went farther farther than that. 
I just want to mention to the audience that the people need to pick up the, the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, or you can listen to my interview that I had with Ms. Michelle Alexander talking about the prison industrial complex and how it's affecting uh, communities of color and the disparity in sentencing. And as Mitchell just mentioned, it has decreased the disparity in a sense, but prisons are being built all over the place, mainly for people to get jobs, and they're mad when they don't get the prison built in their community because they yeah. really needed a job. Forget about the person who's going to be in the prison working yeah. for pennies for major corporations who are basically, in my mind, plantation owners. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's, that's how I'm going to put it. I mean, and because the people on the street are retailers. They're not the wholesalers. Why are you locking exactly. up all the retailers? Why are you not going yeah, up the wholesalers? Yeah, low-level retailers. Right. I mean, seriously? Yeah. So um, let's talk about this issue of home. The issue of home uh-huh. is brought up a lot, and Champ always wants to talk about home, going back to 6th Street. He even goes as far, and this is where, okay, you need the box of tissue. He goes and knocks on the door of the house where he used to live. Somebody else is living there. Yeah. I was like, ooh. Bo-bo. Did you actually ever do something like that? or I or actually did it after I wrote the book. I, uh, I I did mm. a documentary actually for the book, and um, and afterwards uh, I was like, well, I really wanted to go back and shoot in that that house that I the house on Sixth Street. It is a house on Sixth Street, and uh, okay. I went back and I I, I had someone go first because I was in New York, and I asked them if they would mind if I shot, and they were like, no, come on in, and I went there. They toured me. It was like the first time I had been in the house in like 15 years. They toured me around mm. all the rooms. Gave told me history about because they were one of them was a realtor and she told me history about the house that I never knew before. It was like a really amazing experience. But I always that was like the one place where you know you have family dinners and everyone comes over. Like we were missing yeah. that after that house was out of our family. Definitely, and I can relate to that because um, my parents we lived in a, a duplex and it was a really nice duplex. We had central air, you know, wall to wall carpet. Wow, um, I was doing the bathroom. It. Yeah, it was really nice. You know, a little patio. My best friend lived below me. It was like the happy years. And, yeah. you know, unbeknownst to me, because I didn't know at that time of the issues that my parents were going through, but then when we moved and then, you know, this succumbed, you know, the ultimate downfall was my, my father. But, but I, I, too, when I drive by, the house is still there, you know, the, 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 the duplex is still there. And I look and I go, wow. You know, so I, too, have a home. I also remember um, uh, seeing Anita Hill. She wrote a book about home and home ownership in America and, you know, redlining and things of that nature and what does it mean to have a home. And where is your home? Do you carry it with you? You know, who's in the house with you? What does it look like? What does it smell like? Can you get a home? Can you even get a home? And your characters talk about that. And a lot of yeah. people are denied homes, you know. They're denied. They don't have a home. They don't have, they're hopping from apartment to apartment. Yeah, definitely. I remember in that same area in the house where I based it off of, there were probably in the, it had to be like the late 80s, maybe early 90s, there were just white mm-hmm. people coming by just offering you cash for your home, like just old people mm-hmm. in there. They're like, hey, you know, how you doing? I'm Mike. Yeah, you want to sell? And, and just, you know, you couldn't see it then, but now you go to that area and it's, completely gentrified like all of those people mm. have been long gone and they were buying the houses for you know thirty thousand dollars these are now half million dollar homes so yeah. um you know it was definitely it, you hate to say it's like some kind of grand scheme 
but it always feels like some grand scheme looking back at it, that there was some plan to get these people out so that they could somehow raise the the property value and move people out of the neighborhoods. Well, I think, I mean, let me, I always tell people, I remember sitting in class and somebody, we were talking about the O.J. Simpson uh, cover, of, I don't know if it was on Time or Newsweek, and how one of them was very darkened and he looked very brooding and, you know, menacing and so on and so forth. And he's not a dark-skinned man, you know. Right. And so I remember we were talking, you know, that that was a racist uh, uh, image. And the white kid was like, what are you talking about? Why would they do that? They would never do that. And I was like, okay, dude, do you know that they have a whole department that decides <laughs> on what color, what placement, yeah. what font, uh, where the angle, they have a whole department that studies this shit. I'm going to say this like that. Now, yeah. if they don't know what they're doing, they need to be fired. So trust yeah. me, they know historical images and what those images will, will what, the, what reaction they're trying to ignite in individuals, what controversy, what conflict. So the same thing with, to me, housing, food, locations of businesses, so on and so forth. Somebody is sitting down. They know 20, 50 years what the plan is. They know mathematically right, yeah. what the, the statistics, the, the, the analytics are. Yeah. They're not stupid. Now, you and I don't know that, but they, and I say they, as the people with the lots of money, they know. Right. That's how they keep making money. Yeah. Nobody's stupid. I mean, trust. You, you're stupid if you think there is not. For example, you think you're wearing a red shirt because you like red? Yeah, right. <laughs> Wearing a red shirt because they market it red to you. <laughs> okay, yeah. this is the season of color. Next year yeah. it's going to be turquoise, and after that it'll be tan. <laughs> and you'll be like, oh, this is the new khaki. Yeah, exactly. I mean, seriously, you know. Um, let's talk about a really touching Grace and Champ, their relationship. I love when he was driving her around and asking about her old haunts, like where, where uh-huh. do you want to go, Mom? You want to go here? You want? It was like. I needed the I needed the soundtrack. You gotta get this made. I need the soundtrack. You need to get like Cody trying. Cody Chestnut or somebody to to sing the soundtrack or I don't know Kendra. Somebody it has to be smooth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> Let's call it. <Kendra. laughs> I I I, yeah. I don't know. Um, and also the weather in the book. You talk about the the Portland Oregon weather. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think the weather, I mean, there's a high rate of depression out there. Yeah, I mean, it's always so great. And I didn't even realize it as much until I left how much, you know, a cloudy gray sky and drizzle and rain really can affect your mood. Like, there's a certain palpable misery it almost feels like a lot of time in Portland. Like, you just look at people, and even if they're happy, there's like, some like film of just unhappiness or just like mm. the shit ain't going right. I don't know if that's part <laughs> of the weather, but it seems like the weather would have that effect. Cause I know when I go to Miami, I'm happy as hell. <laughs> you know, like yeah. sunshine beaming, and it has nothing to do with like going to live on a Sunday. It's just like this weather just picks me up, and so I imagine mm-hmm. that the weather, you know, had some effect on 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 how I was feeling back then. Um, and then Definitely. as far as the, the mother and taking her on the trip, it was, uh, you know, I think that, and this happens a lot with, like, my uncles, that people t- tend to live in the air they thought they were the, the hottest. So if you were, yes. like, the fine girl in high school 
and, you know, afterwards you had a baby at 17 and, you know, you lost your figure and all, like you are going to live in that whatever year you were 17, like that's your year. Like mm-hmm. I got an uncle who was hot as hell in 85. It took him <laughs> to cut off his jerry curl. Like he just would Ooh. not give up the jerry curl. I'm like you, you can't really blame uncle. Like he was popping at 85, and in his mind it's 85. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had some residue. He had residue. Yeah, he got some residue. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's how oh. it is, you know. Uh, yeah. Would you mind reading something? Do you have the book with you today? Or? Yes, I do have the book. Um, okay. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, well, shoot, I'll just read he it He has again. a lot of poetry. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so I'll read like a paragraph from the beginning. Uh, okay. It's years beyond the worst of it, and it's your time, Mom. A time of head starts and new starts, and starting and going and not stopping of redos and fixes, of gazing at full moons and quarter moons and seeing what before were phantasms for reals. If the street keeps up, it will. Why not? You've got the rest of your life. Hell yeah, it's a life. Minus fat mouthing, no accounts. You hope, no, Mm. we hope, you and your eldest, that is, next year, the year after, are an age of heartbeat, steady breath, and a healing for your harms. Smart Money says you and I are in for seasons and seasons of pewter sunups and cold-ass sunsets and rain. In this state, who can get away from the rain? Shit, you used to think maybe it was the rain. This will be a time of cruising rainy days by your old bus stops, unsoaked, semi-warm, and daydreaming. To be true, Mom, we'll likely see days upon days of yearning. But hey... This might also be the time, after a long, long trial of bootsy-ass suitors of your white gown and bouquet. It might be, but Mom, let's keep it funky. If it ain't been in 40-plus years, there's a hell of a chance it won't. Ooh. Okay, so you heard it here first. Mitchell S. Jackson <laughs> reading from The Residue Years. Um Check it out. I'll be giving away a copy on Twitter.com. But please follow me. Check me out on Facebook. Tag me on Twitter uh, I mean, or on Instagram, and you could win a copy of his book, The Residue Years. Also, Mitchell is on Twitter. Follow him, Mitchell S. Jackson, on Twitter. Also, he has a website. You want to check that out, MitchellSJackson.com. And he has a documentary. Um, do you know when the documentary yeah, I'm going to, uh, we're going to festivals now, so they're sitting around mm-hmm. the festivals, but I'm going to probably screen it, and uh, the producer's looking for an air day sometime in September, so hopefully we'll be on PBS or one of those by fall sometime. Awesome, awesome. Well, I, I wish you much success. Again, thank you for writing the book. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to many different stories and also different ages that you will touch. You know, people our age, um, people who are older, people from different neighborhoods. Um, so there's a lot of variety where people can, you know, insert themselves, so to speak, in the residue years. Again, thank you so much, Mitchell, for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. we got to get to that million downloads, then we're going to have a party. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. All right, you too. All right, peace. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, just got off the phone with Mitchell S. Jackson uh, talking about his book, The Residue Years. 
Um, and you, it's just an amazing story. Um, he really sucks you in. And as I mentioned earlier, you might want to get a dictionary, and you also want to get a box of tissues. Uh, you can follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. You can become a fan on Facebook. Uh, look me up uh, Saturday mornings with Joy Keys, or tag me on Instagram. I'm Saturdays with Joy Keys. Uh, next Saturday, I'll be speaking with actor David Ajala from ABC's Black Box. And also, I'll be speaking with Dr. Carl Hart about his book, High Price. Uh, he talks about drugs, addiction, and neuroscience. He's a neuroscientist. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the show, and you guys have a wonderful Saturday. I'm Ellie the Mammoth, and my friend said the sloth knows what being a great parent is all about. I love kids. It starts with believing you can do it. I'm responsible, loving, nurturing. You've got to set a good example. Hey, no biting. Uh-uh. And give a whole lot of love. I love you so much. And you'll get a whole lot back, too. <laughs> the rest? Well, that's up to you. Remember, you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Visit AdoptUsKids.org for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 